This is At Risk Radio. Welcome to At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio is a show where we talk about leadership in the church at risk. My name is Mark Stafford. I'm the host of the show. I'm here with David Witt. He's the CEO of SOM International. And with Todd Nettleton, he's the Chief of Media Relations and Message Integration at Voice of the Martyrs, as well as the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Todd, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here. Uh, David, you and Todd go back a while. Tell us a little bit about your connection over the years. Some really fun history. It's such a joy to have Todd on. Todd and I actually have a lot in common. We're both pastor's kids, one, and two is that we served about the same time. Todd, I'm trying to remember when you came on with the Voice of Mars, because I served there for 10 years, and that's when we really got to know each other. And I can't remember, I think you came on before me, right? I started in uh, 1998, April. So I actually, my 25th anniversary was just in April this year. So yeah, that's when I started. And I, I maybe think you were a little bit before me. Um, no, I give you seniority rights there. I came on, <laughs> it was night. Oh, wait, April 19. We, we were on the same month. That's right. Cause we were, I was April, 1998 too. So we both wow. were on board the same time. And so we have this, so that's about 25 years we've known each other. And then I was, you know, cause I was just thinking about this podcast we're going to do together. So we had that sweet time at Voice of Mars where I just grew so much. And I said, I have such a dead love to the Voice of the Martyrs to you and, and so many other staff. We also have common that we've been able to do a lot of interviews, but, and I'm usually the guy that has, you know, I've done a few hundred myself, but I was thinking about you've done probably a lot more interviews of the persecuted believers than I have. Do you have an estimate how many you've done now, Todd? I really don't. Uh, we're coming up on 500 episodes of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. So that's a significant number. Now, not all of those are people who have been persecuted directly. Some of them are ministering in a hostile or restricted nation or our VOM staff who go in and out of hostile and restricted nations. I, I think it's very safe to say hundreds of persecuted Christians, but I don't have a number, which I'm kind of a stats geek. So it, I, I probably should, but I don't. Well, I was going to vote for over a thousand for you because, again, you're not even bringing in the international travels that you've done a lot of. Of course, you and I have traveled a, a couple times, I think, together. Our, our classic trip was Turkey, and that is still to this day one of my favorite trips with you and Gary Lane. And you just emailed me that you had brought up some of the pictures, and I didn't know if you had any favorite memories. I have one, but I was going to hold off and let you say, I just curious, you know, any of the impact or a favorite memory from our Turkey trip there years back, Turkey and Azerbaijan. Yeah. Yeah. Turkey and Azerbaijan. I, I remember the trip. We actually, I just met with one of the families we were with in Azerbaijan. So just saw them recently and had a chance to kind of reconnect with them. It was my first time in Turkey. And so we think about Turkey, the country today, but also the site of so much biblical history. That was, I think for me, the highlight was going to Ephesus yeah. and just sitting in the arena there and reading the story of Paul being the people of mm -hmm. Ephesus want to bring Paul into the arena. And the Christians are like, no, Paul, you can't go. They're going to kill you. Yeah. And sitting there in that arena, reading that story, it just is really a remarkable experience. And I, I always encouraged last year, my wife and I had the chance to go to Israel for the first time. Mm. And it was kind of the same experience. It's like the Bible happened here. Yeah. Every Christian should go. Every Christian should go to Israel. Every Christian should go to Turkey. And so that, for me, that's the memory of that trip is just being in some of those places for the first time and thinking, wow, Paul, Paul walked down this street. That, that's kind of a remarkable thing to think. Yeah. 
well, that's fun, Todd, because you just brought up Ephesus for me. I thought of it many times. I did not think about that as I was preparing for our podcast, but I'll add to that too, that I remember for me, it was the discovery, the realization how in the New Testament, the modern Turkey is the second most talked about in the scriptures and how we were in biblical lands and how that brought that alive. And Ephesus, of course, where Paul writes the prison epistles there. So that was really powerful for us. A couple other memories come to, to mind. I, I'd love to get your comment on it. One is I remember talking to one of the lead pastors there, and he said a profound statement that really impacted, you know, he was talking about the Orthodox Church and, and much of the church that I, I wouldn't even have some discussion on. As we know, you know, the church goes through seasons of life and tradition through history. And, and he's talking about how the Armenians had come to Turkey and there'd been a form of godliness, but he talked about denied its power. So he said this quote, I still remember, they showed us Christianity, but they never showed us Christ. <laughs> and I was like, wow, wow, that's profound how we can have the vestiges. And I don't know if you remember that, that, that pastor had been arrested. And then the second one I want you to comment here is I remember we all went, Gary, you and I, we went into the Hagia Sophia and we had a good discussion afterwards at our meal, how the Hagia Sophia had been a church in history, the leading church in, in hundreds of years. It had been become a uh, a mosque. And then it was now a museum today. And how we thought that was very profound spiritually is this podcast is about leadership. And we talked about how, you know, the institution can, you know, default towards just being religious shrines of, of all different religions on the same equal level. And then it becomes a, a museum, which is dead stuff, old stuff. You know, your perspective taught from that and through these years now, how, what have you seen the really the secret sauce, you know, the, and spiritual truth of, of Christ to what is the difference between a healthy institution and really what brings death and, and ultimately the museum of, of maybe institutional Christianity and, and really speak to leaders out there, what we have to guard against. I, I just, any thoughts towards that? experience. You know, I I, <laughs> I feel like I'm not an expert, so so take this with a grain of salt. But I think to me, the thing that immediately comes to mind is it's the relationship with Christ. We can't be carrying on a set of rules or a set of, well, we've done it this way for the last 50 years. Mm. We need to be walking in our relationship with Christ that is vibrant and real and alive and fresh. And that carries us forward. And that's what we want to invite people into that, not into my church or into my set of rules or into my religious establishment. I want you to meet Jesus Christ. He is alive and I want you to meet him. And that is what will change your life. That is what will change your heart. And that is what will get you excited to tell the next person. It is not, hey, come join my church because we have really good donuts on Sundays. It is, I want you to meet Jesus. Mm. Once you meet him, then he's going to carry you forward. He's going to motivate you to move on. And we have to have that fresh encounter and fresh fire with every generation. We, we can't rely on 50 years ago, somebody met Jesus. We need to meet Jesus and we need our friends to meet Jesus. And Todd, you've seen that more than anybody with all his interviews, travels you've done. It's about the relationship, not the religion. Excellent. Thank you, brother. Mark, I know we have to go to a break, so let's take us out on the break and then we're going to pick up with a lot more stories after the break. Now we have a lot more to talk about, so we'll be back right after this break. At Risk Radio. Every Sunday in America, over 60 million people freely 
walk into the doors of a church fellowship. But not everyone enjoys this kind of social freedom. Christians face harassment in 145 countries around the world. Some even give their lives today because of their faith in Jesus. Persecution is harsh. Women and children are the most vulnerable of all people groups. But be inspired that your family in Christ is boldly sharing love and hope, despite local officials doing everything they can to silence them. In fact, let me assure you that our prayers today bring them comfort and love. Thank you for standing with our persecuted family. To stay informed and to help assist, go to spiritofmartyrdom.com. Welcome back to At Risk Radio. I'm online with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International. I'm also online with Todd Nettleton. He's the Chief of Media Relations and Message Integration at Voice of the Martyrs, as well as the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Now, you guys both have a history with Richard Wormbrandt. Now, if you haven't already read it, Richard Wormbrandt wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. And if I'm understanding right, he also was instrumental in starting Voice of the Martyrs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you guys uh, talk a little bit about your interaction interactions with Richard Wormbrandt, maybe a little bit of his story and how his story intersects with your story. Well, I'll just jump in real quick. Thank you, Mark, for leading us right there because Richard and Sabina are dear to Todd and I's heart because they both influenced us significantly in our younger years. And so we have that in common too. So here, I'll just frame the question, Todd, for you. How did Richard and Sabina Wormbrandt impact you personally, spiritually to where you are today? You know, I, I would encourage people to read their writings, read Richard's books. Their story is is phenomenal. Richard was in prison 14 years. He spent three years in solitary confinement. So three years, no contact with the outside world, no contact with any other people. Uh, I had the chance a couple of years ago to go to Romania and actually went to one of the prisons where Richard was. Really mind-boggling to think about three years in one of those cells. I would say a couple of things that that really jumped to mind with Richard and Sabina. One is Richard and Sabina. Uh, I I just think God called them together. God called both of them. And uh, I've told people there is no Richard Wormbrand without Sabina Wormbrand, and there is no Sabina Wormbrand without Richard Wormbrand. They were such a matched (laughs) pair uh, and such a, you know, spurring each other on to good deeds and to service of the king. So I think that's one thing is just how their marriage worked together for the kingdom and how they supported each other and stood by each other. The other thing about Richard that I think is really inspires me is he had an amazing ability to separate the sin and the sinner. And, mm. you know, he famously said, I hate communism, yeah. but I love communists. And I think for that's something that we need in our day is, you know, I, there's sins that I hate but I I need to love the people who are trapped in that sin and they need to see that. They need to see that, yeah, man, I totally disagree with what you do. I totally disagree with what you're teaching, but I love you because Jesus loves me and I wanna reflect that to you. Richard was an amazing example of that. Even in prison, even being tortured, he managed to be able to love the people who were opposed to him and love the people even who were attacking him and torturing him. I think that's an amazing, inspiring example. And I, you know, I don't claim to have lived up to that, but boy, I'm inspired by it. I want to live up to it. 
Todd, again, you mentioned something I didn't realize we had in common too, is another trip I had to Romania. I was in one of Richard's uh, cells. It was neat. It was still a working prison today. And the, the warden told us that the inmates in that cell, because of the multi-cell jail, is that still the best behaved today. And so we all laughed thinking, well, there's still a good aroma of Christ there, you know? Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, I, we could go on. And in another time, we'll have to bring you on just to focus on Richard and Sabina. Now, I taught, I want to also really focus on the Lord in your life and that unique calling that you have. And I think, again, we share together to serving the persecuted church 25 years now. Tell us about how did the Lord capture your heart for the global body of Christ, especially those who are persecuted. Well, you know, we mentioned the fact that we both started working here at Voice of the Martyrs in 1998. But if you ask me, well, how did you start working at Voice of the Martyrs? I go back to 1982. And in 1982, I was 12 years old. Our family packed up from Southern California and moved to Papua New Guinea. And my parents served as missionaries in Papua New Guinea for four years. They later went and served in Liberia, in West Africa, and in Guyana, in mm. South America, and in the Czech Republic. They wow. had uh, quite a long service career as missionaries. But that move to Papua New Guinea really launched so many things in my life that now are bearing fruit at Voice of the Martyrs, that 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 love of other peoples and other languages and that understanding that, you know, you look different from me, you speak a different language from me, but we are family members. We're truly brothers and sisters in Christ and and understanding that even at a young age. Uh, and then that certainly that's what we do at Voice of the Martyrs is, hey, these are our brothers and sisters. These are our family members. We need to understand what they're going through. We need to stand with them. The other thing is just a love of travel that really mm -hmm. was birthed in that move to Papua New Guinea. And when we came home from Papua New Guinea, my parents are are big travelers. That's uh, something that's in my DNA. And so instead of just flying back to California across the Pacific, we actually went the other direction. And we spent about a month getting home. We spent a bunch of time in Europe. We traveled around. And that love of getting on an airplane and going someplace I've never been before and trying to figure out, okay, what what do I like to eat here? What don't I like to eat? How do you ask for where the bathroom is in, in this country? Those things were birthed in me at a, at a young age as well. And again, that's something I still do today. That's something I still put into practice here. So mm -hmm. I think the Lord, the Lord was planting all those seeds even back to 1982. And now we get to see some of the fruit of them and just uh, understanding God's family, my family around the world, that, that I have brothers and sisters in every country of the world. Uh, and boy, I, I would love to go and visit all of them. Yeah, thank you, Todd. And that's it's about those relationships, the joy of the travel, the diversity that God's put out there. You show it well because you do it with such enthusiasm and persevered for all these years. With the little time we have left, if you put in, was I just wanted to bring out, is there any story from the early days of you know, interviewing and getting to know when you're persecuted, brothers and sisters, that really marked you. One of the stories that I often think about when when somebody asks me, well, what's it like to sit down with a persecuted Christian? I think of Sister Tong, who is a lady I met in China. Uh, she had just been in prison for six months because she hosted a house church meeting in her home. At that time, the police were raiding house churches. They would take pictures of everybody. They would write down all your details. But the person who owned the house, the, the host of the meeting, actually got arrested and went to jail. And so Sister Tong had just come out of six months in prison. 
And I'm speaking to her through a translator. I, I know I'm going to come back. I'm going to do interviews. I'm going to probably write a story for the Voice of the Martyrs magazine. So let's let's get the setting first. Okay, Sister Tong, tell me about the prison. And what I'm thinking is, you know, tell me how hard the bed was. Tell me how big the rats were. Tell me how terrible the food was. Let's mm-hmm. let's really paint a picture of how bad your suffering has been for the last six months. So the translator translates the question, and Sister Tong gets what I can only call a heavenly smile on her face. Hmm. And she says something in Chinese, and the translator says, oh, yes, that was a wonderful time. And I just, I looked at the translator, and I'm like, no. Did I get that right? There's there's been a disconnect here, because I asked about prison, and she said it was a wonderful time. Are you sure that you understood what I was asking? He's like, yes, 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 I understood. And she understood, and yes, and that's what she said. And I said, okay, well, you're going to have to explain that to me because I don't have a frame of reference for thinking of a Chinese prison as a wonderful time. Yeah. And she said two things. She said, Jesus was so close to me in that prison cell. I experienced Jesus' presence in a way that I never have before. Yeah. And she said the second thing, she said, there were ladies in my cell. And when I got there, they didn't know Jesus, but they do now. And I got to be the one to introduce them to Jesus. Incredible. So. Jesus was with me. Jesus gave me a ministry to do. Why wouldn't that be a wonderful time? How could it not be a wonderful time? If Jesus is with me and he gives me a ministry to do, that conversation blew my mind. It it totally marked me in a way that I think completely differently about suffering and prison and our bad experiences. You know, and I, I actually wrote about that in my book and I asked the reader, okay, so, so what situation are you in that if you would borrow Sister Tong's glasses and say, is Jesus here with me in this situation? Well, of course he is. He promised he would be. Mm-hmm. Is Jesus giving me a ministry to do? Well, maybe he is, but but we have to open our eyes and be willing to look for that and see it. If we would borrow Sister Tong's glasses, yeah. what situations are there in mm-hmm. our lives that, that we would say it's a wonderful time because Jesus is there and he's giving me a ministry to do. Todd, you just gave us a lot of leadership nuggets right at the end here. And I just want to point out one and then let you kind of talk about um, some of your books because you've written some of this down. But I just want to point out you as leaders that it's so powerful to surround ourselves with people who keep us inspired, that keep the focus specifically on Christ and, and how that helps us redeem everything. As leaders, we need to be redemptive people. We need to have those kind of lenses on life and to turn tragedy difficult suffering into opportunities for Christ. So go ahead, Todd, as we're about to have to go out, Mark's going to take us out. Where can people find your books to get more of these stories that they want to hear more of what you got to say? Well, persecution.com is the main Voice of the Martyrs website, persecution.com. There's a link to my book. There's a link to VOM Radio. There's a link to the free magazine. Uh, All of that, persecution.com. Well, I just want to make sure people stay tuned for next week because this is like part one. This is episode one. We're looking at the early days with Todd, and then I want to bring out the more recent contemporary, what's on Todd's heart, his leadership perspective he's gotten at interviewing so many more, so many more persecuted brothers and, and leaders around the world. So make sure you tune in for the next podcast. Go ahead and take us out, Mark. Right. Well, we're going to talk about a couple of websites then. So first of all, persecution.com for all of Todd's resources and the resources for Voice of the Martyrs. We want to encourage you also to sign up for the newsletter at Spirit of Martyrdom. That's at spiritofmartyrdom.com. And in that full color newsletter, you'll get the latest from the front lines in the persecuted church. Voice of the Martyrs also has a a newsletter magazine that comes out, and we'd encourage you to pick that up as well. You can help this podcast by subscribing to it. 
or by sharing it with a friend. And lastly, hey, we're funded by you. And those who are risking much on the front lines for the persecuted church are also funded by those who sign up to be monthly donors or who give a donation exchange for a book in our bookstore. One more website, that's SOMbookstore.com. You can find Torture for Christ and many, many other books there from those who are serving on the front lines in the persecuted church. Until next time, my name is Mark Stafford, and this has been At Risk Radio. You've been listening to At Risk Radio. For more, go to atriskradio.com. At Risk Radio is a production of SOM International.